0: You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney.
1: Okay, there's going to be parts of this episode where I feel like I'm talking really fast because I'm going to be super excited. By now you've seen the title of the episode, and we are talking about Steelheart, and we're talking about Miljenko Matejovic, and I am excited beyond belief. Stephen, how are you, sir?
2: Dude, I'm doing okay, man. I'm just super excited for you. I know this one was important for you because I got to do the Jeff Scott Soto interview on my own, just because it was you know me in front of Jeff, so. It just made sense, and you weren't available for it. But I was super happy that you got to do uh, this interview because I know this dude. You love this dude. You've been supporting him for a super long time, and so I'm I'm happy for you. I thought it went really well, and there's a lot of background noise going on and stuff like that. But the interview came out great. I think uh, you know I'll work a little bit of magic with it, and hopefully, it'll people will enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Cause you gotta, you know, keep in mind. So I turned 20 in October of 89 and so hair metal was all over MTV, right? You're hearing all kinds of stuff. I'd seen a bunch of shows by now. I'd seen some really good live shows. I'd seen some singers really let me down live. And then here comes this guy who, you know, looks like this just God on the, on the TV. I mean, good looking guy can sing, can play guitar and I'm like, no way can this guy do this stuff live. This is ridiculous. And then he's coming to a club, the club I always go to, the Omni. And I'm like, okay, I guess should I buy tickets for the next night or should I go find out if he's going to be really good beforehand? So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy tickets for both nights. So I buy for the Omni and the One Step Beyond. I'm going to see him back-to-back nights. I walk into the club totally skeptical that he can hit the notes that I heard. From the first song, at 21 years old, wrote me in my favorite singer in rock of all time. Um, it was just his connection on stage was unbelievable, and I know I'm going into a rabbit hole and I'm babbling now, but it just it just puts me right back to <laughs> that time and place. It was amazing, and it's you know you get that. I think you feel like that with Van Halen, Priest a little bit. Every time I hear the songs, it's right back to 91 at the Omni. It's just amazing. I don't know how to say it any other way.
2: Yeah, I mean, my my journey with Steelheart is a much different path than yours was. Because for me, you know, by the 90s, I was already uh, living on my own and you know, had gone through my teen years and gone through my metal phase and all that. And so with the 90s, it's kind of on the downside of this kind of music. And the first song I ever heard from Steelheart was just like a lot of people, I'll Never Let You Go. And I'll be honest, I hated it. I mean... Because I, <laughs> it's a so valid. That's because, Well, yeah. I mean, it had nothing to do with his voice. It had nothing to do with the band. I just... I hated it. And I couldn't... And the fact of the matter was MTV was spinning it nonstop, right? And I'm not a ballad person. I've talked about that many times. And so I turned my ear to this band. I turned it off immediately. So I never checked out the first record. Well... So later on, they released Tangled in Rains, and I got a promo copy of it because I was working at a record distributor at the time. And the first song I heard was this song right here Listen to this. <laughs> So that was a song called Electric Love Child, which is the number three song off this record. And I freaking, that had me hooked. And so I checked out the rest of the record and I was like, oh shit, I love this. This is great stuff. Loaded Mother, Sticky Side Up, uh, the song Steel Hearts Hardcore. I love that song as well. And so that prompted me to go back to the first album. And when I started listening to some of the other stuff, you know, everybody loves Eileen and uh, love ain't easy. Can't stop. There's some good stuff. Gimme, gimme rock and roll, love rock and roll. Uh, So there's there's a lot of good stuff. I just happen to not be a ballad person. And whenever I put the first record on, of course, I have no problem skipping. I'll never let you go. It's just what it is.
1: (laughs) Now, you know who did backing vocals on Tangled and Reigns
2: on the entire record? Yep. Um, I'll guess Jeff Scott Soto. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so so obviously, Je- obviously Jeff and Millie know each other.
1: Yeah, they have a connection all the way to the Rockstar movie, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I saw the video on MTV. I remember that. And then I remember, I don't remember if I called Tony or Tony called me and said, man, you got to check this guy out. This guy's amazing, right? And we got the record. And we're like, oh, every song can't be like that. Like he can't be hitting those high notes the whole way through. And we were already in love with Striper. So it was it was that voice. And then that first record is so, so good. Top to bottom. And you know, mentioning top to bottom, let's just play the last song. Check this out. Down and dirty.
2: one of the tunes i love off that record i don't know that i love it as much as rock and roll but i do love down and dirty i really like rock and roll <laughs> that's a damn good song
1: it is it is
2: <laughs> but yeah i mean the the first two records are by far my favorite but i, I will be honest so they released this new live album uh live in milan rocking in milan uh and it's really really a good Sounding live record, it captures a lot of energy. But then the other great thing about this record is the set list is pretty good. Even though they don't play anything off of Tangled in Rains, the set list is pretty good because you know we talked about it a little bit earlier. I love the music in the movie Rockstar. A lot of people, you know, they don't like the movie. I personally never had that problem with that movie. I was entertained by that movie. It was never an issue for me. People, cheesy, whatever. Doesn't matter, I was entertained. And I thought the soundtrack was really good, and I thought the band, my favorite part of the movie was the actual band and the music that they were playing. So I loved it. And they actually play, Because Millie did the um, vocals on all these songs, they actually play two songs from the movie in the uh, live set, right?
1: Yeah, they do. They opened with them, actually. So uh, the first song, check this out. This is a great song. It's so simple, but it is an amazing tune called Blood Pollution.
2: Love it' fantastic. One of my favorites on that record, for sure. And such a pivotal time in the movie, and uh, just you know, I get chills when I I hear that tune. I just really like that music. So
1: yeah, and Millie, um, he mentions it in the interview a little bit that there's more coming in 2019. But think about the connection of these songs. You got Steelheart doing it on their new live DVD. Jeff continues to do stand up live. And these are three songs off a movie that grossed like $11 million. Like the movie didn't do that great. And anytime I ask anybody, have you ever seen the movie? They say, no, I don't understand how they, I guess they missed it because it came out right around 9-11, which, you know, was unfortunate on a lot of different levels. But uh, but the songs are awesome.
2: Yeah, I bet. I bet that movie recouped its uh, money through DVD sales and stuff.
1: Not even close. Really? How do you know that? You, you looked uh, or you something? saw yeah, if you look it up, they they didn't even make, I don't think, 30% of the money back because once they brought in Marky Mark and Jennifer Aniston, that thing got pricey. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh.
2: Uh, I Like I said, I don't think it's that bad. I actually own the DVD. So <laughs> there you go. So do I. Yeah. Uh, so people can give me shit, whatever. The, the rest of the soundtrack is good, too. It's got like Ted Nugent and NXS and stuff on there. You know, it's a good soundtrack.
1: Yeah, so the new DVD CD, so it comes in a pack. You can get it on steelheart.com, and the CD actually has 12 tracks. The DVD has 13 tracks. Both have a drum solo as one of the tracks. But on the DVD, it goes Blood Pollution. I'll skip one song because we're going to play in a second. Uh, Gimme Gimme Like Never Before, Live to Die, My Dirty Girl, She's Gone, Cabernet. Then there's a drum solo. Everybody Loves Eileen, Rock and Roll I Just Wanna. I'll never let you go. And we all die young. But the second song that we skipped, which is it's incredible to open the concert with two movie uh, songs, which, Hey, whatever, check this out. Live in the life.
2: Yeah, so this scene in the movie for me reminds me almost literally 100% of my teen years growing up. That's why I identified with this song and identified with this scene in the movie because if you've ever seen the movie, you remember this song comes up when they're on their way to a concert and they're in the car and they pull up to the stoplight and they're blaring the music. I mean, that was me and my friends Every weekend when we would like cruise the mall or go to a concert, that was that was what was going on. You know, you're just you're digging the music, you're jamming with your buddies, you've got the stereo, which, by the way, the stereo in a shit, shit beater is always amazing. Like <laughs> the, the car, the car couldn't stand on two legs, but the, the sound system in the car was kick ass. And so that was always, uh, just that scene and that song just brings me back to that time. You know, not, I, I guess I shouldn't say the song in particular because the song wasn't around when I was a teen, just the feel of the song is what I meant by that, you know?
1: Yeah. And, you know, whether it was, you know, I saw him- four times on the first albums tour. They played with King of the Hill that played with Lynch mob and it was four incredible shows. And then I didn't see them on tangled because they canceled the shows after the accident happened. And then the next time I saw uh, Millie was with the doors and I haven't seen them since cause they don't play a ton. So my schedule and the schedule of their touring doesn't always sync up too much. But now with YouTube, though, you can see it anytime you want, which is great. But they are amazing live still.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised they don't do like uh, more Monsters of Rock cruises or some of them three festivals a little bit more. But maybe in the new year, they will be. He's, he kind of hinted to that. Uh, there's a lot of things coming in 2019, it sounds like.
1: I will tell you, it is incredible to have a Michael Sweet and a Miljenko in their mid fifties, still sounding and looking incredible. Awesome,
2: man. So what do you think? You think it's about time to get to this interview or what?
1: Yeah, we had a really good time uh, doing this interview. I know I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought he told some stories and talked about some things that I have not heard him mention in other places. You know, I think you're going to do magic with the edit, but, uh, he was on his phone somewhere in California. So you get all the background noise you get. That's how it goes.
2: Yeah, it is what it is. Um, but you know, it's the content that counts and, uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy this conversation. So I don't think we should delay anymore. I think we should just, uh, rock this thing. We will, uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Later. <laughs>
0: Crazy. Let go on my head. Just you put me in this world Doesn't make you understand You're a 16-year-old punk You think you know it all hey. You still got to
3: Hey, everybody out there in Ray Land, this is Miriam Matias from Steelheart. You are listening to Growing Up Rock Podcast. Stay tuned, stay crazy, stay beautiful. Love y'all. Pow.
1: With icons like Ronnie James Deal, Bruce Dickinson, Rob Halford, Robert Plant. Steven Tyler, etc. there were and still are some incredible singers in rock and metal today, and those guys are all great, but we have the unbelievable opportunity to invite to grown-up rock from the band Steelheart, my favorite singer of all time. Yes, people, I said it, my favorite singer of all time, Milyenko Matijevic. How are you, sir?
3: Wow, that's a hell of an intro. Thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. That's great. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'll start by apologizing, because my fanboy might come out a little bit in this interview, but... Uh,
3: oh, feel free to <laughs> fanboy way. It's all good. It's all good.
1: Um, let's just start. Uh want to pay our respects to the loss of Kenny. Um, you know, talented guy. Definitely shows on the DVD just released.
3: Yes. You know, that. I got to tell you, that DVD was the most difficult thing to mix and finish. That's why it took so long. You know, we did a we recorded that, what, last uh, May or something? I don't remember. And every time I just got into the studio, we put it up, you know, the footage and all that. It's just like, oh, God, no way. And I would leave. I'd always leave and I'd procrastinate and procrastinate. And uh, finally, you know, I got it, got myself together to uh, bring this thing home. So working with the directors and everyone, we uh, I think uh, I think it came out pretty good. But uh, it was a uh, it was a sad uh, way to kind of work. But I'm sad to see Kenny go. And he's been, uh, like I said, we wrote amazing songs together. We toured the world. And, um, you know, this is it. It's life, you know. So we send our love to him wherever he is, right? That's right.
2: Absolutely. So, Milianko, what was your introduction into hard rock and rock and roll music? Uh, Looks like your interest uh, started kind of with country music at first. Is that the case?
3: Yeah, Absolutely. When I came to this country, my father really liked the country music. You know, Johnny Cash uh, was was a big, big one for him. And he introduced me to Johnny Cash. and We played uh, a lot of his songs, among some other, you know, radio pop songs, but mainly that. And then um, I think I, I want to say about 11 years old, a friend of mine played me Led Zeppelin. and And it was, how would I say... In my home life, it was downhill all the way, disaster. (laughs) Because I, you know, wanted to grow my hair out and just love the rock and roll music, you know? That's, I don't know, something just like woke me up and I knew I just needed to be a rock singer, you know? But it was very difficult, my old man, because he was, he was just really difficult to work with in that, you know, vein because he just wanted me to stay with, he was afraid that I was going to get into drugs and, and just be a loser. That was his whole fear. And that definitely was not the case, but that was my big introduction. So as soon as I heard Robert Plant, I was like, "You kidding me, man? This is me right there."
2: Do you remember what song in particular it was that that did that to you?
3: You know, I cannot remember particularly which one it is, but it's probably one of the greats. And I think probably it may have been Black Dog. That's why I redid Black Dog. Awesome. You know, yeah, it, it just may have been Black Dog. Have you guys heard my version of Black Dog?
1: Yeah, it's incredible.
3: Love it. Thank you. I do. I I got an EDM version as well. Pretty intense.
1: (laughs) That's cool. Now, when did you find your voice? Like, are you sitting at home going, wow, look at these notes I can hit? Like, did you go to vocals, teachers, or how did you find your
3: voice? Well, you know, I I was singing like when I was, since I was like four or five years old. And I remember singing um, all the time to the radio. And one one particular time, I was in my uh, grandmother's kitchen. And I'm singing to the radio, screaming out and, and I swallowed a piece of gum. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And I had this little pain on the side of my chest. Until this day, sometimes I feel this little pain, you know, like a like a air bubble or something. So anyway, I didn't think anything much of it then, of course. But uh, when I, as soon as I got to the United States and we started singing all the country music, I just, my father just immediately recognized it. And my brother played amazing guitar. So. It was a media attraction, so to speak. It was never a thought or a doubt. I always knew this is what I was and who I am. And yeah. um, shit, it just it just escalated quickly from there. Especially then with the, the Zeppelin thing, and then you know put a band together and I had a band called Teaser with my brother, and we did all Led Zeppelin songs and some Rush. So from there it escalated into something else, and then I joined another band, and it just it just there was just no stopping I me. Mean, once I connected, how would I say, with the gods, I accepted. It was, uh, unbelievably, um, how can I say just a beautiful connection, you know, and no matter how many times, uh, I would never even think about changing professions. It would always pull me back one in particular when I was, when I was, uh, in college going for mechanical engineering and, uh, you know, it's like, all right, well, let me be a mechanic. That's what my father wanted me to be, you know, I'll never forget. I think it was Jimmy who called me. He's like, so, uh, are we doing this or what? What, what are you doing? What are you, you going to be a mechanical engineer? What are you doing? And I, and I paused for a second. I'm going, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. I'll see a rehearsal and I'll see a rehearsal in a half hour. I took my books and threw them out the window. <laughs> no exaggerations. I'm not bullshitting you. I threw them out the window and, uh, went to class. And I said, like, I'm done. I'm a rock star. That's what I need to be. I need to be a rock star. I'm a singer, (laughs) and that's what I'm doing. And uh, that's what I did.
2: Now, you're originally from Croatia, correct? Your family?
3: Yes. Born in Zagreb, Croatia.
2: Yeah. When When did you move here to the States? How old were you?
3: I want to say five. Okay, so say five. So maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm off a year or so, but
2: yeah. Five. So fairly early yeah. on, and you talked about yeah. you talked about Led Zeppelin kind of uh, turning your world upside down and and getting you full of a, a rock and roll bug. Do you remember what the first album you bought with your own money was?
3: Oh, I never bought any album. I couldn't afford it.
0: Really? Okay.
3: <laughs> I couldn't could afford it. I had I had this. We weren't very wealthy growing up, but. Uh, what do you call it? My friend, I had this uh, the drummer. He was this Italian kid, and he was great. He bought all the albums. He had everything because we didn't even have a stereo to play it on. You yeah. know. So I would go over to his house. We'd go to his house and listen to it. You know. But he had all the records.
2: Okay, and so that's how you got your music.
3: Yeah, that's it.
2: Were you ever a fanboy yourself growing up? When you were a teenager, did you uh, chase bands or hang out backstage or? you know, any of that kind of stuff, try to track down your idols?
3: Nah, very odd. Never, never. Never. I was never, no, I was never that kind of person, you know? So
2: you were straight business from the get-go. It was all about just, you know, honing your own craft and your eyes set on being your own singer and your own band and all that, right?
3: Absolutely. But really loving and respecting, you know, the bands that I really enjoyed. Absolutely. So, I'm just not kind of person. I would never go running after somebody or, you know, it's just, I, I I like giving people more respect than that. You know what I'm saying? Right. And their, and their privacy and all that. I don't need to be a crazy fan. I I, I could, I could respect their beauty and their, uh, you know, gifts from afar. I don't need to be, you know, and even now when I meet somebody that is like rock stars, it's just like not, it's a very, I can't explain it. It's just not. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I explain or not, but this oh, is yeah. not this is not who I am. Yeah, yeah no,
2: I, am. I think I, I think I get it. Early on, the band was called uh, the band. When I talk about the band, early on, Steelheart was called Red Alert, but at some point, you guys changed the name to Steelheart. What was what prompted that?
3: Well, Red Alert was um, what happened is that a DJ in New York City trademarked the name DJ Red Alert, so we had to change the name. And we were actually in Barney's Beanery here in California. Love it with uh, yeah, with the uh, with the A people and my manager and everybody in the band. We just having lunch, and we went there to say we got to change the name. So everybody's thrown thrown words out, and somebody said steel, somebody said hard. I was like, I, know, I was like, steel hard. There it is, done. <laughs> it uh, it just kind of it just immediately just showed itself up. Really powerful. That's how that came together.
1: Now, can you nail down the turning point in your head when Steelheart kind of went from relatively unknown to all over MTV every hour?
3: Yeah, I knew exactly. We were in Florida. We were in Florida. We were doing a show in this club, actually. And before we were going out, we were watching MTV uh, videos. Remember all of that? and our video uh, I'll never let go Angel Eyes, came on and it was i think like number 2 or 3 or something like that on the video thing and it was really beautifully overwhelming there's nothing there's nothing more satisfying than an artist whether you're a painter or a musician or a whatever in the art world to be actually accepted and recognized as wow you're truly one of these beautiful artist that is giving back to the world, you know, with your art. And um, that was amazing. That was when it really happened. And that's when Steelheart just overnight, you know, the power of TV overnight, it was just like, boom, in seconds, just from that, those videos. Yeah,
1: wow. All right, so we're going to rewind back to February 91, Oakland, California. I'm A young Sonny is seeing you on the first of back-to-back nights in the San Francisco Bay Area. You're doing Sheila tequila and you handed me the tequila bottle. So first of all, <laughs> the 21-year-old Sonny thanks you very much for a great night. <laughs> but I remember that first show even. You have this uncanny ability to connect with the audience. And, you know, some of the stage moves you do are very animated. The whole back arch thing you don't see very often. Did you have a frontman hero that you watched growing up going, that's the guy I want to be?
3: You know, there's several, you know what I mean? There's several and then there's I mean, I always you know, David Lee Roth was always so much fun to watch. He was such a rock star, such in those days, you know what I mean? He was like the epitome of a rock star and um Oh yeah. I did like him, Robert Plant, you know. That was it. And then the rest is you know, it's up to you to create you, you know what I'm saying? And um I think on me on stage, uh, as far as me connecting to the audience, I always had that beautiful connection because It's like this, you know, you go out there and you're performing. This is what I work for all my life to get out there and have some fun and connect with everyone and everyone else to connect with me. Let go of the work, let go of the stress, let go of whatever's going on in your life and just be for that hour and a half with me. And I really feel that from them. You know, I really do feel that. And, um, it's always a wonderful time having a show with people. We just did the last one. I remember doing it. We had this festival down rock fest in Florida just recently. And it was, I'll never forget. We came out. The audience was, you know, they were tired. They were hammered from the night before hungover. I don't know what it was. You know what I mean? But I will tell you by the third song, the whole audience was with me. They felt me. I felt them. It was beautiful. Amazing. And, um, This is why I do it. One of the biggest reasons I do it, you know? There's a beauty to it. There's energy, and it gives me power. gives me strength.
2: You know, and and that's pretty refreshing to hear because, uh, you know, until I started, Sonny knows everything there is to know about you for the most part because he's been following you for a long time. But for me, some of the stuff is a little bit newer and some of the stuff is unknown to me. And when I started digging into you know, your history and everything, I find some of these things like this accident that happened on stage with you in Steelheart, I mean, where the trust falls on you and, you know, hurts your spine and and hurts, you know, your body as a whole, when something like that happens, does that, one, does it change you in terms of the next time that you get up on stage? Or two, what keeps you going what is it that drives you to continue because for a lesser motivated individual like myself probably i would have, i would have given up a long time ago or i'd have sat on the drum riser and said Ugh, I don't i don't know if i can do this you know
3: this is what i do i'm meant to do it i'm meant to do something great keep going you got to keep going this is who i am Look, when you're connected with the spirit and the God of what you really do, then you got to keep going. You know, I i can't I'm not allowed to quit. It's got nothing to do with it's just a fire inside of me.
0: Yeah. You know,
3: the, the passion, the passion of creating music and touching somebody's soul when you finish it. And they're like, whoa, that's amazing. You just, you know, I'm feeling you're feeling energy. That is to me so beautiful and so important. Yeah. You know, that it's actually just building and building more as I'm getting older. You know what I mean? And the connections get stronger. And during that time, I got to tell you, those were some dark times. Very difficult because after that accident, I knew it was the beginning to the end of Steelheart. You know what I mean? The, that part of it for that moment. Wow. That was heavy. I mean, I was, you know, playing Denver Arena to a year and a half later, not even a year. I'm sleeping on the floor at my friend's house. It's just like, what the fuck happened? You know, overnight. And just lost everything. Yeah. And it's not too, I was never into the drugs or the alcohol, so it wasn't any of that, right. you know? It was truly just life Life stripping me down to nothing, you know? Yeah. And um, I wrote uh, the song Good to Be Alive. You know, my mother passed away. My brother passed away the same year. I'm on my friend's sleeping on the floor, and I wrote this beautiful, amazing, positive song. So, you know, it's like you just got to be true to who you are. Right. And if you're really true to who you are, you'll always be taken care of. I really believe that. Yeah. And especially artists. I can say this to everyone. If you're a true artist, and you're going to get your ass kicked. If you're in the art world, you're going to somehow, there's something that you need to go through here and there. I'm not quite sure why, but you have to. But if you're really true to true to yourself and true to the art, you will always be taken care of. You will never be kicked to the side, to the curb. Yeah. You know? So I I have learned a lot during those times. Really um, got received so much information, should I say. And I don't recommend it for anyone because <laughs> that was really, really heavy.
0: Yeah.
3: And to climb back up from that. I mean, even just now, it's been years to just keep going. And you know what it is? At the end of the day, I just, I believe I'm meant to be there. I am that.
0: Right.
3: You know, and I feel that in a lot of ways, I've just begun and it's growing. It's what I am. I need to be there. So that's the drive.
2: Fair enough, man. That's more than we could have asked for for an answer. So definitely fair enough. Sorry.
3: I just went down a went down a ro- down the long road on that one
2: <laughs> no it's it's good that's uh that's what we you know we want you to tell your truth this is your truth so yeah it's good so how does the whole because for people that don't know and how does the whole rock star thing come up because you're basically doing most of the vocal parts in the movie for Marky Mark and I love those songs and you're still doing uh, some of those songs live in your set. How did that whole thing come about?
3: Well, first, um, I do all the vocals for Mark in that movie, except for the last song. That was uh, the guy from The Birth Pipe. But everything else, the seven seven songs that I sang for that album. And uh, we are uh, anticipating to re-record all of them to our release because no one heard the songs that You know, they're in the movie like Reckless or Wasted Generation, any of those songs. Nobody heard the full length songs of those. Right. So it'd be nice uh, to get that out there for everyone.
2: I had a quick question, which is, and the reason I said most of it, because I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Jeff Scott Soto do something in this movie as well or no?
1: Jeff does do some of the songs, but he does the Bobby Beer songs. He doesn't do the Marky Mark ones, just so you know
3: exactly everything that Mark Walbrook sings is me okay yeah cool yeah Jeff did the uh the other guy yeah I did seven for sure yeah I have the album right here
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and I love those songs like that was one of the things I enjoyed most about the movie was the actual band and the actual music
3: right right no it's definitely uh it's definitely the songs are great the band sounded great and um... There's some interesting surprises coming up, so I can't talk about it just yet, but let's just say something good is brilliant. How about awesome. that? Perfect. Awesome, awesome. Okay. Yeah.
1: So uh, Milwaukee Show 2010, I see you with the doors. I thought you did an amazing job, first of all, channeling Morrison in voice and stage presence. And then I thought you were very careful not to overshadow Manzarek and Krieger, like, how did the whole Doors thing come up? Because Ian was doing part of the Doors thing, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, he, he was. And then um, when they started looking for a new singer, I was looking for a manager. And I met uh, Tom, who was uh, their manager. And I had a lunch with him. And we're having lunch. And he says to me, he goes, listen, I'm thinking that I'm doing a project. And I think you'd be perfect for this project. It's a famous band. They sold like over 80 million records. And I was wondering if you'd have any interest to audition. I'm like, okay, you got you got my attention, 80 million records. You know, that's a few. Um, sure. And uh, so then I said, who's the band? He said, The Doors. I was like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> me growing up, I was, you know, I was Led Zeppelin. And then the rival band was, you know, The Doors and, you know, that whole vibe. And I'm like going, ah, shit. And he's like, ah, it's easy, man. You know, all the songs. I'm like, yeah, but that's not, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't what I was doing at that time. So I really didn't. It was very different kind of music form, you know?
2: Completely.
3: So when I, when I, he goes, well, listen, I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to, I'd love to, uh, you know, audition for it. And, uh, so I went back home, uh, to Virginia. I was living at the time. And, uh, so they sent me 10 songs and I'm listening, you know, of course, uh, you know, some of them, but some of like, some of them was like very different for me as a singer. It's not what I grew up with, you know? But I gotta tell you, the minute that I really fell in and connected with Jim, it was amazing because I really had a whole nother level of respect for the music, their energy, how they uh, put music together, how they put everything, all of it. It was a beautiful experience. It was an honor to do it. And, um, yes, I really did connect with the, with the spirit of Jim. I mean, many a nights, uh, on stage, even that I would have, um, literally someone speaking to me, whether it's me making it up or whatever, but it was very real. You know, one particular night we we're in, um, Prague in this really massive theater. Honestly, that was the biggest stage I think I've ever performed on. It was the most ridiculous, huge stage. We looked like little ants on the stage. And uh, I'll never forget, I was ready to start singing and it was just like somebody stop. Don't sing. Just, Just wait. Let them just do their thing. Just play. Just sit here. Just don't do anything. You know, wait. Wait. And then it was like, okay, now sing. It was pretty amazing. It was definitely good moments. Very powerful moments.
1: It was a great show. It was. All right. So you do a lot of things in Asia. I think you're a king in Korea or something like that. Your fan base in Asia has been very, very consistent. Are you doing TV, movies, albums? Like, what is all the things you do in Asia?
3: Well, Asia, I did, um, I did a lot of TV shows, performances. I was like one of the first international artists ever to be welcomed to some of these shows, like the King of Mass Singers, where they're bringing it now here to the United States and you wear a mask and you do you sing against another artist with a different mask and then you go to your finals uh but i had to sing in korean so i learned how to sing the songs in korean which was that was a hell of a job you know (laughs) to really you know get exactly the the words correctly speak them correctly you know and i did well i actually fooled all the judges and, uh, I couldn't win because I had to know one more Korean song. And there was just no way I could have learned another Korean song in that amount of time. It was just way too much work. But she's gone. The song she's gone has been the number one karaoke song since 1989 and still is today in Korea. Wow. I sang, I sang that song. Uh, they, they have a uh, K pop, the dream festival. If you, you can look it up. Dream festival is. The biggest festival in Asia, they have it at uh, the Olympic Stadium. So I did this. I did. She's gone at the Olympic Stadium. Seventy thousand people, and it's like I don't know how many millions of uh, viewers on TV. And that was K-pop, and I was the only international artist ever to be welcome to that. So, yeah, I have a beautiful connection with Korea. They've been wonderful to me, and uh, I look forward to uh, keep building on that relationship
2: awesome so listen we've gone through this uh new live record that you got Rockin' milan yeah um, and it's it's fantastic so congratulations on the release thank of you. that thank you sounds like there's another best of type project in the works to celebrate last 30 years or so i see somewhere where you're asking the fans to help can you tell us about that
3: yeah what i did is um, i thought you know, next year is Steelheart's 30th anniversary. So created a web, an uh, email, steelheart30 at steelheart.com. And I just asked everyone to send in any photos, videos, whatever they, they may think would be great in a book, you know, or in the, the Steelheart DVD, uh, or the live album. I mean, the, uh, the best of album. So we're going to create the best of album. We're going to go and re-record some of the songs and we're going to, um, trying to decide if we're going to put the movie in because we have a whole feature movie that's we shot and we're just compiling this and i want the fans to be a part of it so we could put it all together what exactly everybody wants we want to do the jacket the steelheart jacket we're going to make replicas of that and whatever else comes to mind and we're going to release this next december
2: that sounds awesome. Sonny's still got the tequila bottle you hit, uh, you handed him in 91. So where can he send that? Because that should oh. be part of the project.
3: <laughs> well, we should, yeah. We should, um, too bad I didn't sign it then. <laughs> you, know, you know, and dated it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know what's funny is that tequila is like, it's always, everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's not real tequila. But it was, real. <laughs> it was always real. Tasted real to me. It was always real. Yeah. I tell you, the guys ended up alcoholics after that tour. I'll tell you, because I can't, you know, guzzle like they do. Jesus, like—I remember Frank would guzzle it. He would take a shot of that and be insane. So, anyway, sure, send the bottle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I gotta ask you, with all these, because you uh, Steelheart is on Frontiers Records, correct?
3: For this album, yeah, we did it right.
2: Okay, so with all these super groups that Frontiers peers together, Serafino continuously is putting artists together, with a voice like yours, I would have thought by now you would have been doing four or five different projects besides just Steelheart. Has anybody have they come to you and tried to pair you up with somebody?
3: Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of different offers and different things and you know, the money and the thing is just, uh, I don't know. It just didn't, some of it didn't make sense. You okay. know what I mean? Sure. I don't, I don't just throw shit together. I can't do it. I need, it needs to be, you know, we need, we need to sit down. We need to write it. To, it just, some of it just didn't work for me. That's all. Okay. Simple as that. But without a doubt, you know, I really love, uh, writing with other artists. We'll see what the future brings. By the way, Robbie and I wrote some amazing songs.
1: Robbie so, Krieger. Yeah. Okay. So I will tell you honestly, when I first saw you live, I'm walking into the club and I I was very skeptical. I'm like, there's no way he could hit these notes live that I'm seeing on MTV. It's not possible. You did not let me down one iota. You had me hooked as my favorite singer of all time on that night. Like, how do you keep your voice fresh? You still sound great? Are you. A warm up guy? Do you scream into a towel before you go on? Like, what's the regime?
3: Uh, it's everything. You know what? It's, it's a lifestyle. You got to just take care of yourself. You know, you can't possibly sing like that. Or even, you know, as you're getting older, you know what I mean? It really is, um, workout. Always try to eat the right things. You got to go real easy on the alcohol. Can't smoke. Can't do the drugs. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work because it'll just be taken away from you, you know? You gotta respect the gift that you're given, straight up. You gotta really respect it. And when they're talking to you, and I know all you guys out there who are artists, I know you know what I'm talking about. When they're speaking to you, you gotta pay attention, and you actually gotta pay attention and do, not just say, "Oh, I'll do it tomorrow." No, it don't work that way. At least not with me. So, considering that I've always been respectful to my, you know, the gift that I've been given, that's why I feel like I'm still able to do it.
2: It ain't like changing the guitar string, that's for sure.
3: No, trust me, man. You know, there are, there are nights that you're sitting there, shit, I hope I can get through this because I'm not feeling the best. I just did four shows in a row, you know, I haven't slept, I got a cold, I mean, it could be a million things, you know what I mean? You know, and you could be, everything could be great, and all of a sudden, before you go on stage, something happens. You got a guy, take a deep breath, and a guy smoking a cigarette next to you, and he's like, ah, it could be a million things. Yeah. It's just being a singer. It is tricky, man. It really is.
2: Is there any truth to the rumor that you want to try opera at some point?
3: Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I, my next door neighbor in my studio is a world renowned uh, vocal coach and he teaches opera. And actually, I've just, I, I think I'm going to go this week. I'm going to go over to him. It's like, let's, uh, let's do a little something of opera just for the hell of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I mean, what can it hurt? Who cares, right? So um, I don't know. It'd be kind of. I think it could be something fun. Why not? Awesome. I, you know, I love. I want to do all of it. You know, it's like there's nothing wrong with trying other things and having fun with it. Agreed. So we'll see.
1: In the spirit of trying other things, your version of Hallelujah is incredible. So ah. having the vocal abilities that you have and having that restraint to provide the beautiful vocal necessary for that song? Like, is that something that it's like, all right, I got to get in the right headspace? Or are you recording going, damn it, I came out of my lower register again. re-record, re-record?
3: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, no, it's all, it's all about, you know, it's all about singing to the song, not, you know, it's like, I'll do a song and some of the Korean uh, artists would say, oh, we want to hear you scream. It's like, why would you want me to scream on that? Sound like an idiot. You know what I mean? You gotta sing for the song. It was, it's all about being invited into that space. It's like being invited to do the vocals for the movie Rockstar. Being invited into the space of the doors. I mean, these are sacred spaces that I, the way I look at it. And when you're doing it, you need to be invited into these things. And, and then you'll have the true essence of what it is, you know? And that's the way I sing. I have to be in that space. And that amazing, this is what, as an artist, this is what we get that a lot of people don't get and and don't understand, but it is a beautiful gift. So have you heard uh, the Christmas song I just did? Yeah,
1: downloaded it. It sounds incredible, (laughs) too.
3: Like, I don't Uh, listen
1: to a lot of Christmas music, but I'm like, babe, listen to this. She's like, who's that singing? Like, they have no
3: clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the whole point, you know? It's we just having fun. I was just having fun. I, I was listening to Nat King Cole. I was like, you know what? I got to do one of these songs. I got to do it. So that's why I did it like uh, Nat King Cole versus Sinatra kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's just fun. It's just having fun. That's all.
1: All right. So we want to do a little lightning round with you. Uh, we kind of explained it at the top. But uh, basically, it's don't think too much about an answer. These are fun things. Nothing crazy. Just trying to get what the first thing that enters your mind on this stuff. So song you wish you wrote. Stare what happened. All right. How about a non-rock metal guilty pleasure? Like, is there like a pop band out there that you listen to going, okay, if people knew this, I'd be shunned out of society?
3: No, I love them all. It doesn't even faze me. I care (laughs) less what people think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember your first concert? Who'd you see?
3: I do. Foreigner. Oh, really? Yep. Yep. Foreigner. In Madison Square Garden. Wow. Wow.
1: Um, are you a radio guy? Do you listen to Sirius XM? Are you an iPhone or streamer? How do you get your music?
3: I'm a streamer. And okay. You know, I should probably listen a lot more, but I'm so, I'm so involved in my own world that I don't even have time to think straight. And it's not, uh, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it just, so many things I'm doing, you know, but usually streaming. And when I do stream, I usually stream songs that's kind of chill, vibey and no no vocals because I don't even want to hear myself sing. <laughs> I know, it's, it's true. It's true. It's like, you know, I need peace. Yeah. What's your favorite song to play live? Jeez, uh, I don't even know. They're all fun at different times. I can't give you a straight answer on that. Okay, depends they're, they're all just really good you know different moments they're just like they're all good
1: yeah how about <laughs> uh <laughs> you're <laughs> on a desert island you can only take two albums
3: take Beethoven and and we'll take uh who else we're we gonna take um, I say we'll take uh beach chill music <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's dude you're never gonna be able to listen to Led Zeppelin 4 again <laughs>
3: you know what? With all due respect, as much as I love it, it's okay. I think I've heard it enough times. I've sang the songs enough times. I think it's okay.
1: You, do you sing in the shower, or the car, and what are you singing when you're singing? Like um, you catch yourself humming something, going,
3: "What the hell am I humming that for?" Um, no, I'm usually humming new songs that I'm writing. If I'm oh, doing okay. anything, yeah, it's always yeah, it's always new new songs and stuff. Yeah, I'm not really singing any. You know, humming or uh, copying other music. So, is my like I said, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just too selfish. I'm always in my own head space. It's like I need to get out sometimes, you know?
2: Are you constantly writing? Do you just, like, hum melodies into a phone or something?
3: Always. If you saw my phone, it is, like, a billion, a billion of ideas, one after another, whether it's a piano start or vocals or lyrics, everything. Absolutely.
1: Cool. So... I wanted to share with you, I, I just watched the live DVD again uh, yesterday, and wow. uh, I got a signed copy from you. Thank you very much for doing that. Bought it off your website, which was great. Awesome. I'm watching the live DVD. It put me right back into the 90s. I'm getting chills just telling you. I mean, it's it looks great. You guys sound great. The band's great. It's tight. Incredible music. The whole DVD and CD's done really, really well.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Like I said, it was a lot of work because it was so, it was just really emotional. It was difficult. Straight up. Straight up. But I think I'm happy with the outcome. So thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Are you guys going to add anything into the set from Tangled? Cause I don't think you're currently doing anything. Are you?
3: You're absolutely correct. And and we all we've been talking about that quite a bit. You got to remember, there's so many songs, and we try to figure out what the hell am we gonna put in there sometimes. And what I want to do is um, I want to add streamlined savings into that from this this album. You know, the Worlds of stardust is a really, I think it's one of my best records, and um, I don't think the world has really heard it yet, the way it should. But the first song on that record, I'd like to add into the uh, set, and uh, also lips of rain. I don't know. Just you know, it's hard. You know, when you're making a when you're making a uh, set list, it's just like, well, what are we going to do? And it's just like so many songs, which is, I guess, a high class problem to have.
2: Well, I think we've given some love to uh, uh, Worlds of Stardust on the show before, but I personally, I came into the band with Tangled, so that was my first record uh-huh. with the band, and then I went back and discovered the first record, but I really love tunes like electric love child and sticky side yeah. up you know some of that stuff is so cool right yeah added into the set
3: I think I think yeah yeah it's definitely sticky side up is great a loaded mother I mean yeah those are uh definitely some great tunes great memories that's for sure awesome so that was a tour that I almost died on if you remember yeah the 50th show the yeah. 50th show of uh, that tour is that we added that set in uh this that uh, concert in uh, denver arena so maybe that's why i'm not playing it, because, yeah, yeah, it psychologically <laughs> a little bit
2: gun shy you <laughs> never know
3: yeah you never know
2: so before we let you go is there anything that you want to um tell the listeners um where they can go to get your stuff we'll put everything in the show notes anyway but
0: yeah
3: absolutely steelheart store at steelheart.com you can have um everything's there for uh for the uh, dvds and the cds and all that stuff also on itunes of course yeah we got a lot going on this year and you know i'm almost trying to figure out maybe i, I said i was going to do A Q&A live and i still want to do that with the fans and just kind of figure out what do they want you know because it's one thing what i want but it be nicer to hear what exactly they want. That's why I did that steelheart30 at steelheart.com. So feel free to send in some messages, you know, people have, and I want more. I need more. Some of them are a little vague. They're just very general, you know. I want the true heart. What is it you want to hear? What do you want if it was 30 years of this book or this something? What do you want to see? You know, what do you want to hear? Yeah, got a lot of shit coming, guys. Lots.
2: Awesome. We'll put some of that out on our social media and see what kind of response we get, and we'll send it to you and let you know what they're saying from our side.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate you spending some time through the mountains and at the donut
1: shops. It's all good.
3: <laughs> well, thank you, too. Thank you as well, and um, Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Dream come true to talk to you.
3: Thank you so much. All right, guys. You take care now. All right? Thanks, Minley. Bye-bye.
0: Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
4: show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Show me.
0: make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock.